0: Hi, hello, bonjour, and namaste. This is Out of the Clouds, a podcast at the crossroads between business and mindfulness. And I am your host, Anne Muletala. Today, my guest is Arthur Gorunlian. Arthur is Armenian-born professional dancer, choreographer, and television personality, most recently, he has become one of the three judges on Dancing with the Stars Ireland. Arthur and I have known each other since 2010, when he creative directed and choreographed a wonderful film featuring my then boss, Christian Leboutin. Arthur was not just in charge of teaching Christian choreography for the piece, which was commissioned by Fashion Air, a fashion platform at the time. Arthur also had to train Christian to learn to tap dance over the course of a week. That was quite an adventure, and by the end of it, all of us were besotted with Arthur. (laughs) Arthur's got quite the story, and, dare I say, has lived through many an adventure, although some of them have been incredibly difficult. Arthur in this interview tells me the story of how he and his family left Armenia during the war when he was 12 years old and left everything behind on the pretense of going on holiday to Denmark. They were able to settle for a while at least in Belgium. But a couple of years after they arrived, Arthur's dad suddenly passed away. This was a catalytic event for Arthur, and he shares with us how the then-Armenian shy boy ran to Brussels and decided to live his life to the fullest, first becoming a hairdresser, then starting to dance as a go-go dancer first, how he made his way up the ranks without professional training and yet built a successful, very successful career as a commercial dancer before turning to artistic direction and choreography and, and much more. Arthur has a, an incredible positivity and a very generous personality. And I was very inspired by the way that he was able to shrug, let go of advice and negativity around him and how he picked and chose what would serve him. What would serve his his ultimate goal? Earlier this year, Arthur and his other half, Brian Dowling-Grunlian, welcomed their first child, a baby girl called Blake. And so he also tells me the story of love and family and surrogacy. So overall, just not your average interview. I mean, none of them are. None of my interviews are average interviews, I believe. <laughs> but this one is extra Extra special Anyway, without further ado, I give you my beautiful and excitingly inspiring interview with Arthur Gronlian. Happy listening. Arthur, welcome to Out of the Clouds. Merci beaucoup. Thanks for having me. <laughs>
1: it's such a pleasure to have you live in front of my face. As you were reminding me, we haven't been in the same room together since 2014. (laughs) It's been a while, but you have the most amazing Instagram feed. And so you've been lighting up my days on a regular basis uh, for these past few weeks. So
2: it's an absolute joy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, it's a pleasure. Like, you know, sometimes they say you meet someone and they will always stay in your life. Doesn't matter if you see them every day or once a week. But then when you see them, like uh, you are in front of me right now, I feel like we never left. I feel yeah. like I remember when we met in 2010, that's the first <laughs> time we met. And yeah. we always spoke, we always, you know, seen Instagram. As you said, Instagram became a part of our life. So I feel like you've always been there. You always mm. like, you change your life, you change your route, what you're doing now, which is absolutely incredible. So I feel like we never left each other. But then some friends, you don't even talk and you don't even pay attention to what they're doing. I don't know how to describe, but I hope I'm describing right, if you know what I mean. I know it's what like, you mean. But now
1: I need to ask you, does it ever happen for you not to spark with people because you you're a very
2: sparky and sparkly kind of guy. So you know what I love life. I'm very positive like I think because from where I'm coming from for what I have in my life, I always always stay positive. So when I meet someone and I get on I'm very bad at telephone calls, but I'm very good at emails, WhatsApp, or in an old-fashioned way, fax, let's say. But I'm really bad on talking on the telephone. I don't know why. Because I think my life is so hectic all the time. So the phone calls are kind of, describe what I want to say on the phone call, but WhatsApp, I can send a voice note or I can actually text you straight away and then we can communicate. And during the day, I communicate with several different friends from around the world, which is amazing. But I always spark with people. And if I don't spark on, which is doesn't matter, not everybody can love you. It's life. So I will say thank you so much and goodbye. That's it. I don't get upset. You
1: are very much of a philosopher when it comes to that. It took me many, many years to come to that same, to that same point. Yes. So as you may have heard, I love to start our podcast conversations with exploring who my guests are and for them to tell our listeners about where they come from, what they were like as a kid and, and how they came to be who they are today. So I know it's a big question, but would you tell us your story? It's a great question. Of
2: course, I'll tell you my story. I mean, it's a long story, but I'm going to try to compact everything for you. I'm from Armenia. I'm the origin Armenian. Uh, We left Armenia back in November 1992. Obviously, the reason we left Armenia, I was a young boy. I was 12 years old. So my family wanted the best for me and my sister. And uh, they got uh, this visa that was meant to be going to Denmark because at the time, Everybody was trying to escape Armenia because of the war, but you couldn't get out of it. So what I remember, we had that visa. We're pretending we're going on holiday. We just packed our bags. I remember I had a mini bag with me, and then we just left. That was a massive blur. And obviously, we went through all the different countries, but we never made it to Denmark. I remember train after train. It took us about three weeks. To get to Cologne in Germany. And then that's it. We did have money. It was my mom, my sister, my dad. And my sister lately reminded me that she was standing there and somebody thought she was homeless. And one man just gave money to her. And that money helped us to go to Belgium where my uncle was. So we end up in Belgium. It's a long story, but I we end up as refugees and seeking asylum in Belgium. Belgium mm. kind of was the last spot we stopped because we couldn't go to Denmark. We didn't have money. So yeah, I, I was a refugee, asylum seeker. Uh, I do again. I was very young. I was going on 13, 14 at a time. And uh, from, you know, that was actually me. And it's my mom Aww. did everything. My mom did everything. My mom, like I have a paperwork now sometimes. I haven't even read all the paperwork, but... The things they've done for us, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. We end up in Brussels. There's this uh, place called Le Petit Chateau. It's a little castle. That's where they put all the refugees. So they put you there and then they deciding what they're going to do with you. Either they're going to accept you or thank you so much you have to go back to your country. I mean, if they said to us, you have to go back to your country, we were done. Because we left our home. We left everything. We didn't even know what was happening. And then I think after... And Salvation Army was helping us. And then after a couple of days, because we were family, because we're not individual, they took us to another refugee camp, which was in Dinon, Ivoire. I think it's apartments now, apparently it's all gone. But there was the refugee camp, and that was the straw where they decided which family goes where. And uh, we were kind of lucky. We ended up in this little mini village called Malmedy in Belgium. We were the first Armenians, and this is going to sound such a big-headed thing, but we became so known there. Like, My mom was singing in um, a cathedral, and my dad started working for Red Cross, obviously. We left Armenia in 1993 in November, and 94 went up in Malmedy, and then everybody started getting to know us. We were the first big refugees. Like, They're like, oh my God, what's going to happen with you? Literally in two years, everybody knew us. And then uh, unfortunately, being two years there in Belgium, my dad passed away. Aye. the end. two years, and then my dad, in 1996, my dad passed away in November, and my life changed. Because we didn't know what's happening, obviously we're still as refugees, two years there in Belgium. We don't know our status. What's happening? It's left-right centre. My mom and dad has to go. They have to go to Brussels to, to do the interviews. I can't even tell you what they were doing because they were just going and everything's fine. Everything is good. I remember we had this little apartment. We walked in and the only thing they gave it to us was a mattress, Jaffa cakes. That's why I'm obsessed with Jaffa cakes and a bottle of Coca-Cola. That's all I remember literally Hmm. there in, in the room. And then when my dad passed away, I was 16 years old. At the time I started doing hairdressing, my life completely changed on Completely. My dad's <coughs> dream was to go to Paris to see the FL Tower. When you're yeah. Armenian, Armenians are in France or Los Angeles. And my dad's dream was to see FL Tower. And I remember my life completely changed. I said, I am gonna live my life to the fullest. I do not care what people think about me. I do not care what's happening. I'm gonna make things happen. Bear in mind, I'm still a refugee asylum seeker. Bear in mind, I don't have a passport, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know where I'm going but I was doing hairdressing and I was very selfish. I left my mom and my sister in that little village and I moved to Brussels to carry on my hairdressing. And I was 17 at the time, like 16 going to 17, living on my own. I hustle and bustle, you know, nothing can stop me. And, but obviously I felt guilty leaving my mom and my sister, but I couldn't cope to live in the the village. And I was like, where am I going with this? And then I remember that the last row was the letter coming to Malmedy to say that, I'm sorry, you guys have to evacuate Belgium. That's it. Even though we just buried my dad, three months later, we have this letter saying, well, you have to go back. That's it. We don't want you here. Mm -hmm. And the mayor, which was absolutely amazing, he said to me, Maria, not to me, but my mom said, Maria, I'm going to pretend I didn't see this letter, but when Brussels people are coming, I can't do nothing. But right now I'm not going to push you to leave Malmedy, and, and that actually saves us a couple of weeks, couple, you know, a few months. And then my mom fell in love with someone, Paul, who actually saved our lives. That's life.
1: amazing.
2: It's so weird because Paul's wife died at the exact same time as my dad. November 1996. It's so weird. It's like they were meant to be meeting. And then he said, you're not going to go anywhere. Are you crazy? You're not going anywhere. I'm going to marry you now. Wow. I'm going to marry you now. You're not going anywhere, like not going anywhere. And then I think two years later, we got a passport. After one year that Paul got hemorrhage, and he got paralyzed. Like, it's so funny. They were mar- not funny. Sorry, why am I even saying funny? It's weird. Paul had an hemorrhage and he got paralyzed for 13 years. It's like the universe was saying to my oh, mother, wow. well, he saved your life. But now you have to look after him for the next 13 years. He was paralyzed completely. He couldn't do anything. He saved our lives. Mm. Then after three years, it's just so weird. It's like how everything kind of aligned. It's Mm. like he's saving us, but then now my mom's saving him. And he said to my mom, he said, if I wasn't married to you, I had this, I would have been gone because my family would have never, never looked after me. Thank you so much. And my mother always said, thank you. You saved our lives. You saved our lives. And when I got my passport, I was 18 years old. And that's when I, I went bonkers. I said, I need to start traveling. I need to do things. I need to do something with my life. I've always been ambitious. Mm-hmm. But I was very shy boy. I mean, now if my friends say, you shy? I don't think so. But I was very shy. Oh my God. Before 16, I was like, hello everybody, how are you doing? But after my dad was like, no, I love life too much. And when I finished her dressing, I always wanted to be a dancer, or like, or perform or do things some, like arty. I always want to be arty. In Armenia, I was always, always like trying to show myself off, oh, performing and everything, still being shy, boy, still very shy. You know, I feel like I'm an exhibitionist, but then behind the doors, I'm like, oh my God, don't talk to me. I don't know my name. Blah, blah, blah. But I remember I got scouted by an agency from Paris. They were in Malmedy and I was a little bit tall for my age. And they wanted to take me to Paris to sign me to an agency. And I said, oh my God, I would love to do that. But obviously my parents said no. So when that all happening, I finishing hairdressing and I said, you know what? I want to be a dancer. And everybody laughed because I've never been trained. I, I don't know where to start. I don't even know if I could be a dancer. I'm still kind of a refugee, bear in mind. I don't know where I'm starting. I'm just doing hairdressing courses. I was in a club in Antwerp, and, and I literally was just dancing and I was like uh, around 19 years old at the time. And I started dancing and one of the girls came to me said, said, um, can you come with me? And at the time I wasn't speaking really well, French, no English and Netherlands. I wasn't really, really good at Dutch. So she said to me, she said, do you want to come with me? And obviously, obviously, I was straight at the time. So like, oh my gosh, she's hitting on me. This is cute. I like it. Okay, I'll come with you. There's nothing could happen. You know, it's in a club. So I went upstairs. And you know, when you're walking in like a Kansas store, all the dancers, performers, glitter everywhere. I mean, what hell am I doing here? What's happening here? Why am I following this girl? And my friends downstairs, they're just having fun. Uh-huh. And she said to me, can you get the shorts and go on and dance because between everybody, you were the good mover. You can move. Are you a dancer? And I said, I'm not a dancer, but you know, and then she said, oh no, before I said I'm not a dancer, she said, all your friends can have free drinks. And for a 19, 20 years old man, you saying your friends can have free drinks. I mean, you're not going to say no. So long story short, you're putting these shorts, I think PVC shorts, and I had this massive angel wings, massive, only, no Never way. been on a podium, but like, it's like a mirage. It's like, I don't know what's happening to me. And she said, okay, you have 15 minutes to go and, you know, the go-go dance. At the time, go-go dancing. I mean, it's not big now, maybe, but at the time being club dancer, it was elite. It was like, oh my God, the dancers, they're like the gods, you know? So I literally went on, on the podium, music started. And my first song, it was um, Stardust. Da, 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 da. And I remember I literally stood there, music. Went, <laughs> it's like they were waiting for me, but they were not in my head. They were me. waiting. Of course they this were. <laughs> With my massive angel wings. And I went, oh my God. And I just went crazy. And I remember everybody was like, heads up, staring at me in this a cafe Don't West, the, the place called. And I started dancing four times. My friends are having fun. They're like, what the hell are you doing there? What's going on here? In the end of the night, this lady just came and paid me. And I went, mean, Oh my God, what are you paying me? She's like, Well, you, you kind of dance. You were working. I mean, you paid me for me wow. to have fun and my friends having free drinks. Are you kidding me? I've been killing myself as a hairdresser, uh, you know, doing everything and not even getting this much money. That was from Belgium at the time. And, and she said, Yes. Next week, same time. And she said, Are you a dancer? That's when she asked me, Are you a dancer? I mean, I could be. If I did this now, do you want me to be a dancer? I could be. That's fine. And she laughed and she looked at me. I will never forget that look from head. Sorry, from toe to head, head to toe, like scanning me. She went, okay. Wow. This is pretty much my career. That's how. It, and, and I went, okay, watch. She's like, okay, I'll book you next week. I went down, said to my friends, oh my God, I think I'm a dancer. I just got booked to come back next week to Antwerp and start dancing. They literally laughed, but good luck. They're like, oh my God, are you kidding me? It's like a movie. That's not possible. And I said, it is possible. I'm actually going to be a dancer. They're like, yeah, right. Of course you are. And then, and there were hairdressers. You know, they were not even a dancer. They're just like normal hairdressers. Da, da, da. And I remember I went home and I was living on my own in books, right in the middle of the process. I sat on my bed and I mean what just happened? The best feeling in the world. People like, oh my God, are you going to be a dancer? We heard you. I was going back to salon. And I said, yeah, I'm going to finish. And I said to my big boss, hairdressing, I said, listen, I don't want to work anymore, but I want to go to, um, to be a dancer. And he said, no, no, you're amazing. You got a huge career in hairdressing. Why don't I keep you? Because again, that's another story. When I was doing hairdressing, I was very frustrated because I was a quick learner and I want to do like big chignon models and everything. And they used to laugh on me saying, you can't do that until you have diploma, darling. And I said, but I want to do like a TV. And you know, they're like you can't, you're only like third year. You can't do TV. And I remember my first TV work for hairdressing was pour la gloire for Eurovision for Belgium. And I proved myself and they put me there straight away. And I was the first boy in third year doing People's hair on live TV, basically. That's fantastic. This is before dancing, even before I got spotted as a dancer, because I was again very driven. And when I said to him, I'm leaving the hairdressing, he said, No, you're not. Okay, you can leave, but you're doing hairdressing for me at the same time. I mean, outside. So like a defilade mode, Miss Belgium, all that stuff. And I mean, okay, I know it's extra money. It's great. He's like, I never done this before, but you're going to work for me as a hairdresser and you can dance. And basically, Kind of all the, the refugee things gone out of my head now. That's it. Even though, but I never wanted people to feel sorry for me, and I I never said, oh, um, they know I was Armenian, but I never said oh, I'm a refugee. I didn't have that word until my past because I wanted to be. Because when I was in Mount you know, I was wearing wearing Red Cross outfits and I mean clothes, and people laughed, and I was getting frustrated. I mean, I shouldn't, but. My parents couldn't afford to buy anything. But I was getting frustrated because why they laughing at me? One girl saying, oh my God, that's my cousin's jacket. Would you drop in the red cross and you're wearing, oh my God. You know, like, and when you're like 12, 13, 14, like the teenage years starting. So I was like, always like, I'm not going to make people feel sorry for me. I will do like, I'm this power dog. I'll do anything. Do you know what I mean? No fear. I have no fear. So yeah, and I just left thing. I started dancing, and it kind of like went into like a roller coaster. Things start happening. People are like, oh my God, there's this new boy on the block. And I remembered my first booking from that lady, I even forgot her name, one day maybe, maybe I need to find her. I got booked in a gay club, and this is a big revelation. I wasn't even a gay at the time. Right. I no hairdressing, loving party, but I wasn't even gay, being an Armenian, thinking you're gay, oh my God, no way. And I remember next week I got booked into this gay club. And I remember standing there waiting for the girls to arrive. And I went, boy, 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 boy what's happening? And I said to one of the guys, he said, Where are the girls? He said, You're joking, right? I mean, no, <laughs> what do you mean? And I was 19 at the time. I was like, What do you mean you're joking? I was like, There's no girls. Like, it's a gay club. And he, I kind of had to stop myself because I was like, Oh my God, what my family would think. Oh my God, I'm in a gay club. Oh my God, I'm a, that's it. I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. Something's going to happen. But I wasn't even paying attention fancying a boy or something. And then obviously I danced and I was loving it because you got all the attention. You know, being in a gay club, topless, it was short and everything. So it was loving life. But then because I was blocking my life so much in front of my eyes. In, in Armenia, you got girlfriend at 19 years old, 21, you're married. By 23, you have kids. So that's how it was drilled in my head. I discovered myself that I was, I love both. And I remember I was there and I started, I started doing one or two classes there and I met this guy and I went, one day I was cutting his hair. Typically I was like, I'll cut your hair. I'm a hairdresser. So, and I just kind of went out there and I said, you know, can I kiss you? And when I kissed him, it's like I've been gay all my life but without knowing it. So it's, it's like in one year, not even one year, a couple of months, so much has changed in my life. It was mental. I was like, what is going on with me? Eh, he's, you know, <laughs> um, he can't do anything much, but he can pick up move and dancing in the clubs. It wasn't difficult. You just have to have energy and bear in mind on I never drank, never took drugs, never smoked, nada. And When I was doing all this, people thought I was off my face. Something happening. Never. I was clean water. Just Mm. water. I had always so much energy. People couldn't understand why I'm like this. Mm. Like I didn't need anything. So, but again, because I stood my ground, when people were offering me something, I was like, I don't want it. They're like, but you know you're not going to work in the industry because you know how it is. I'm like, it's okay. It's not for me, but thank you so much. But for some reason, I've seen people... Losing it because they didn't want to do it. But I didn't want to do it because I knew what I wanted. I think that's helped me a lot. I wasn't like, oh my God, let me try. No, I don't want it. It's fine. Thank you so much. But me being Arthur, I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. I want more. Like my husband always said, it's like, you're never happy with what you have. I'll tell you why I'm not happy with what I have. Because I feel like in my head, I'm always going to go back to that refugee boy and no money and have that sad life I have. Mm. And I have panic. Not panic but I don't really have panic, but I was like, if I wake up sometimes I, because I had a dream that I'm in Armenia again, do you know what I mean? So I don't want to feel that. And I'm always thriving for more. I'm always like nothing will stop me. And from then, I always, my dream and was to go to LA or London, but I was scared. I couldn't speak English. I'm hardly, it's only been like five years. I'm in Belgium. I'm speaking French. It was so difficult for me. And I remember when I said, this is where the dancing world started. You know, showbiz, fake, backstabbing in your back. Not me. I don't care. You know, I, I tried to be me. Hello and goodbye. That's what my mama told me to say. That's all I did. And when I said, oh my God, guys, I would love to go to LA or I might move to London. And everybody, literally, everybody, part of my best friends, everybody laughed. They said, you in London? Do you know, I've been in London. It's so hard. London, you know, you get trained and..." People like all of the world go there. You have to train for three years. Then you have to have technique. And me being me, I mean, okay, that's good. That's that's really good. So, but again, I take from right side and come out left side. I only keep things that Arthur wants to keep. Because like I want to keep what I think is best for me. Why would I listen to you? It's your journey. I want to create my own journey. That's how I think. So long story short, one of my friends where we were dancing together, said, I'm moving to Italy. I went, you know what? It's not London, LA. I'll move to Italy with you. Why not? Let's go. It was 2001. I will never forget. Between that, I was actually auditioning for Notre Dame de Paris. I went, drove for auditioning Notre Dame de Paris. And guess what? And guess what? I went to the end before the show started, went to the end And the only reason I didn't get it, I remember, oh my God, Max, oh my God, what was the choreographer's name? She came to me and said, oh my God, we absolutely love you. In French, I was just, right? And she said, but because I was too thin at the time and I wasn't manly in love, she said, can you come back next year in like a couple of months? Please, please. And again, I was like devastated. That's the first time in my life. I'm like, oh my God, I could do music. Notre Dame de Paris is amazing. I'm so close. But I was upset just a little bit. But then I'm like, okay, let's go to Starbucks. It's fine. <laughs> it's, 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 just have a coffee. That's how I react. I was with my sister. Like, it's okay. I was there. Somebody spotted me to audition for Sole Soleil uh, for the show. It's a big show. I don't know if you know it. I remember the name. What is that again? Uh, Soul Soleil. It's like a Saint-Tropez. It's like a oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Song, like Sole Soleil. And there's a dancers there. And there was a guy who spotted me. He said, I was like, yeah, hello. It's like, where are you from? was like, I'm from Belgium. I just drove three hours to do this. It's like, okay, do you want to audition? There's a show, Soule Soleil. I was like, oh my God, I know Soule Soleil. Hey, my God. It's like, can you come and audition now? And I went, yeah, I'll come. I auditioned. Two hours later, they called me. I got the job to be in Soule Soleil. And obviously, bear in mind, I was watching the show from Belgium. But once that's happening, my friend is deciding to go to Italy. So now I'm like, Italia, Sulu Italia, And because I wanted to go to London and L.A., it's such a different, you know, momentum. It's not French speaking. It's a different language. I let Sulu Soleil down. And everything happened for a reason. I wasn't sure. upset. And I went to Italy. I was on tour in Spain. I came back, packed everything. My mom was like, you're crazy. But my mom was the biggest supporter. I packed. And uh, 2001, September, I went to Italy. And my new start, fresh, like 21 years old, man. I arrived in September. I got my first job and started working with big artists, festival bar. I was actually doing Laura Pazzini. I was working with Titiana Ferrer. They were just starting up at the time. And we had another friend in common. She was a photographer, Maite. She was in Italy, living near us. And I was there for four or five months. Everything going well. Oh my God, I'm lucky. it's a dream. And I remember I sat one day, again, ahead. I need more. And I need more. I can't relax. I feel like it's not the end for me yet. I was on the bed. And I remember that time The Slave for You from Britney came out. And I remember I saw, a put MTV and I saw, it's raining, man. It was Jerry Hallwell, massive dancers, huge oh. performance. Remember, I don't know if you yeah. remember. Huge, that was massive. And I went... Mean, Again, I said to everybody, I was like, oh my God, this is what I want to do. It is amazing, but I want to do international stars. People like, you know, I want to go places. And I remember again, a few other dancers said, listen, you're a go-go dancer. I mean, you got a couple <laughs> of artists. It's great, but you know, this is London. This is LA. It's different level. And I said again, okay. So I remember December 2001 before Christmas we said we're going to London and she's I was living with her I said I said I'm so sorry let you down I said Arthur listen to me carefully you are not letting me down get out you are going so I went Christmas back to Belgium 2001 and 2002 February 3rd I moved to London with my friends Mighty. we literally arrived to Waterloo with a suitcase like that Bonjour, what's <laughs> here? Where do we go? What's the only place I knew it was Pineapple Studios. Which of is course, like very, legendary, legendary. I mean, I mean, everybody's there. Like literally, the only place I know is Pineapple Studios. So I'm like, what are we gonna do? So we we call a girl we met before, and then a fr- friend of mine who I knew was living in Richmond from all the places, posh place, Richmond. I love Richmond. So I went there and we stayed with her for two weeks until we found our ground. while we're doing? Very much, I can't speak English. I'm still probably can't. But like I, I couldn't <laughs> even say to you what I'm like. Hello and goodbye. That's all I could say. I remember I arrived to Pineapple Studio and I was like in hours, like, oh my god, I'm in Pineapple Studio. Oh my god, where do I start? That's and I remember so having, cool. I was literally like, I had a goosebumps. And 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 when I arrived, uh, there's this gentleman. I uh, said, but wait a minute. He went downstairs and brought this amazing guy, Martin Matias, who lives in Paris now. He was a, a dance teacher there incredible. Martin came, started speaking French to me. I paid to do his class. I went, oh my God, thank you so much for helping me. I'm so lost. I don't know what to do. They said, don't worry. Listen, we help each other. Do not worry about it. So I did the class, but bear in mind, nobody else there was helping me. Just Martin, he helped me. But people were just staring because there's so many dancers on. Like who, the, I don't know if I can swear, but about an Armenian guy who comes to London, who can't speak English, who cares about him? Do you know what I mean? So thank God he spoke French, he helped me. And I remember I went back that night and Maite and Juliet asked me, how was it? And I'm not upset, but I was like, do you know what, it's tough, but nothing can stop me. And meanwhile, Maite was struggling. She, we were there two days, she having anxiety. She's like, I can't do this. I don't wanna, one week she left, she went back to Italy. When she did that, I went, Am I going to fail? But I was like, I am not going to fail. I'm Mm -hmm. actually going to, she literally couldn't. said, Arthur, you don't have to follow me, but it's your path. I'm like, yeah, but why are you leaving? Why don't you keep pushing yourself? You know, I'm a pusher. All my friends, I'm always pushing them Mm -hmm. to do things. And she left. She went back to Italy and, and I think also she met a guy she was kind of in love. Oh, so uh, okay. Give us yeah. context. Yeah, like exactly. I was like, okay. But she was like, no, it's not even the love because I want to be a photographer in here. She's a great photographer now. I mean, she's amazing in Italy. She was...
1: She wasn't she was feeling
2: amazing. it. Voila. voila. Yeah, like she she followed people. her instinct. Correct. But at the same time, and now she was like, I wish I stayed, but I, I think at the time she wasn't feeling it. But when you come to a country, you can't speak the language, you're with someone, you can you together you're gonna go up. But then when somebody's leaving you after one week, you're like, zut alors? Where am I going? Literally, I was like, God, like, what am I gonna do? But uh, but I never gave up, I just went and I will never forget. I did my first big casting, which was a dance attic, one of the another class places. At the time, you do castings for agencies, and when I was doing, I remember I turn up and everybody was like, you know, this tight and everything. And I hear my um, like with the big hair, with a like a barbichette blanche. I was kind of androgynous, kind of looking, but I was like, I looked Italian. Everybody thought I was Italian at the time. So I went there. I mean, do you know what? I'm just gonna go with the flow. And I auditioned, I literally auditioned, killed it in my head, killed it, killed it. And there's only like, I think seven boys they kept for the agency. And I was one of them. Like there was about thousands, thousands. Which agency was it? Scott Baker. Okay. Doesn't exist anymore. Scott Mm -hmm. Baker, she looked after me and she signed me. And I remember they asked me to sing. I mean, um, I'm not a singer, but I can do a song at Notre Dame de Paris parce que je viens de faire Ami. l'audition. Oui, <laughs> la 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 la. And I start singing, they're like, okay, okay, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> like, you, can, you can stay. And I got it. But then, you know, you have to work. I need to make money. I have no money. The only money I have is from the gogo dancing, an artist that I'm in Italy. So next day, there was another audition for Great Yammer, like a leisure, Potter leisure. It's like a, you go, you know, like a holiday thing. There's a performance on stage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's called Potters, yeah. And I remember, I would never forget, I auditioned two days later. Lots of people, they need two boys. I was one of them. I got the job. I, I mean, this speak speaks English. to your talent. But you see, again, I've never been trained, but if I listened to everybody who said, don't go, I would have never made it, Anne. Because they yeah. kind of like, not pushing me down, but they're like, babe, Say no, je crois pas que tu I don't think no, it's too difficult for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, that's fine, that's fine. And when I did the job, I got the job. Obviously, I couldn't speak English. I called Martin. Martin, c'est tu plais, je te Mais je sais pas quoi faire. No, 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 no. And then at the time there was because when you do auditions in London, uh, you know, years ago, there were like two, three uh, choreographers or casting directors. So they wanted to book me for pantomime. Bear in mind, I don't know pantomime. They wanted me to do a pantomime, and I said to Martin, "I do do potter or so pantomime." He said, "No, no, darling, you're not here for the pantomime. You want to be a superstar. So do potters, make some money for three months, and then you'll see." I was like, "Okay," but they offer me the job. You know, I was so excited. I have two job offers. What do I do? It's beautiful to have a mentor who's literally 100%. like guiding you throughout. You absolutely nailed it. Like he was, he he did my first contract. It's like my life, I, I said to my husband, to my friends, I have 10 lives. And at the time I went to Potter's for three months. That was like June, July, August, 2002. I'm very freaky with date. I know my date. I know exactly what did I do, where I went there. And I remember again, another thing changing my mind. I was sitting with my friends, which I was actually talking to a couple of days ago, Michelle. And we were watching Star in Their Eyes. I don't know if you ever heard of that show. It's basically people. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So and I said, I said, "Oh my God, what is this show? I would love to do something like that." There was similar to Belgium. I was doing something like that, but this is legit. You know, this is like the big TV show. And Michelle was so conscious like you said, this is the top commercial dancers get the job. It's hard. So yeah, it's dancers. not very achievable, basically. Let, let's basically, basically, like like i was like, okay, great. So August again, date August two thousand two. I finished the contract. Thank you so much. Like, oh, don't you want to stay more? I'm like, no, the contract was three years, three months. I want to do something else. Guys, I didn't come here. It's great money, but I didn't come here. I want to do artists. I came, there was an audition, free audition, free casting call. At the time, I just, I was doing this little show for L'Oreal. So I had like David Beckham, like a white stripe on my head, trying to be cool for uh-huh. L'Oreal, which yeah, you do. I was loving it. I did the audition. It was for starting your eyes. So I'm turning up to Dance Attic. Lots of people. I was like, there's no way. No way I'm going to get the job. Plus, on everything I've done in my life, it was free class. As a dancer, I never got upset. It's a free class. Why are you upset? Sure. Instead of paying 15 pounds or 5 pounds or 10 pounds, it's a free class. Just have fun. Who cares? That's how I actually treated in my head. So I'm doing a free class, dancing, dancing, dancing. I didn't get the job. Thank you so much. that's like, fine. Thank you so much. Bye bye now. Two days later, Scott Baker, Lucy's calling me. Hi, darling. This is this guy saying there's a recall, but I wanted to put you forward. And at the time, I had a black head now. Finish L'Oreal. I was like, oh, Lucy, I think I know which one, but you know, I don't want to embarrass myself. I've done it. It's not going to work. Did not want me? No, no, no. You're going. You're going. Like, relax, really, like, straightforward. I love an agent that knows that. Oh, oh, it's all about the agencies. No, no, you're going. I was like, okay, Lucy, again, free class. I'm going back. Now, bear in mind, this is a recall. So the top ones, the top, top boys and girls are there. I'm going, and they recognize me. I mean, I'm going to do it. And you know what? When you got nothing to lose in life, which I didn't have anything to lose in my life, I went for it. There's one boy who got the job. Me. I mean... I got the job, and I got the job, and I will never forget... I confronted Michelle Torn. We're always laughing at some these days because she's my third job. I had Potters, L'Oreal, and she's my third job in UK. And I said, can I ask you something? I was here two days ago and you didn't pick me. He said, we absolutely loved you, but you had that silly hair. We don't have time to change your hair. We start Um. with us the next day. And this is why when you do castings, you have to be prepared. I'm learning. It was a learning procedure for me. Every casting you do, make sure you actually present yourself for that job. I got the job and I did the biggest show for three months. It was insane. I did Eyes. It was magnificent. But again, when I did it, I called Michelle, my friend said, I got Eyes. She starts screaming. She's like, are you freaking kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me? Like This is like one in a million to just From where you're coming from? Because so many dancers stayed in potters for the next 10 years. The thing is, Michelle will put me back sometimes because I was technically trained and I will confront her. And she was like, listen, you're amazing, but there's a technicality. I wanted people to be in front. And I love honesty because if you don't tell me what's wrong with me, how would I ever know? If you don't, you always put me in the back. So you have to kind of confront in a nice way. And I was very punctual and I did everything I have to do. So I did that. And then on when I say, I was so blessed and lucky. Everything kind of fell in play. I was finishing a job. Next one was starting. I was auditioned. Snake and I believed everything. I had, but for a reason, I have to follow my guts and do what I have to do. There was a moment, uh, I don't know if you know Blue Peter. i got the job. Of
1: course. I mean, I, I can't say that I watched it because it's, yeah, ch- it's a children program.
2: It's a children. But I never knew about Blue Peter. So I remember... The agency I auditioned, as you know, Scott Baker, the choreographer, very famous choreographer, Gary Lloyd and Kim Gavin, they like legend in the UK. And Gary was doing Blue Peter, and I got the job, and I was like, oh, what's Blue Peter after Star in Your Eyes? Again, people stayed for starring in Your Eyes. I did one season and I left because I wanted more. Always more. Don't settle for just because you're happy. I mean, I was happy, but I wanted more. I- come on, I want to do like tours. I want to do even bigger TV. And I remember I did Blue Peter and there's a massive accident happened to me and I thought, that's it, I'm done. And oh, no. I was... What accident? I was jumping off the stage and my shoes were very slippy. My left knee went, my ligaments kaput, gone. And I thought, that's it, I'm over, I'm done. I'm Like literally, I was only there for nine months. I was like, that's it, I'm done, I was... I wasn't even crying because there was the pain was there, but I couldn't even cry because like, oh my god, like the cry was internal, not external. So I had to have a couple of days off. I went to my friend's house. Just uh, leg was literally like a hippopotamus. My left leg, like massive. Oh man, that must I was so painful, like so painful and also devastating. The pain I could cope, even though it was horrendous. But there were some jobs lined up. I was meant to be doing royal variety, never even heard about royal variety. But I'm like, oh my God, in six weeks, I have a show. The doctor said, a year off. You yeah, can't... in your dreams, you're going to have that show. Oh, that you finish your career is finished. I went to with my friends. I should have never done it. That's why I don't really do much to say Claire Wyant. And she said to him, yeah, I can see you have a dilemma, but you start teaching because dancing is not for you anymore. She told me in Covent Garden. There's shops, you know, in Covent Garden, we have these clairvoyant I shops. <laughs> I swear to God, I have that tape, actually. I couldn't even speak English again, uh, English at the time. So I have the tape and she told me, my career is over. I will never forget, my leg is so big, I called Gary and Kim. I said, I'm coming back. And Gary, because Ga- the job was for Gary, for a bit. Of shit, he said, Arta, but you can't dance. I mean, I can. I can. With my swollen leg, after six weeks, I was up kids, don't do this at home. You should not do this. You should rest. Yeah,
1: I know. I'm like, this is not good advice.
2: (laughs) No, this is not a good advice. You have to rest. That being me, I was like, again, I nearly died three times, literally three times in my life when I was young. So... Okay, I see
1: what you mean. Like the the impetus for you to go on, to continue to press on, to work towards your goal was just so insanely powerful yeah, that so you powerful. just had to go. It's interesting because many, many people, especially artists, especially dancers, but a lot of athletes will suffer injuries and, and there are great sense. consequences for those who don't rest and give the body a chance to heal. Most of the time, it's ego that pushes people to go back. And for you, it doesn't sound like it's ego. It sounds it wasn't like it's ego. something bigger than you.
2: Because, An, um, if I didn't do this, what do I have? It wasn't ego. I wasn't celebrity. I wasn't power... I was like, I was upset. What do I have? This is my career. I just want to be a dancer. I was no one. I was just a dancer between 100,000 dancers. I just want to prove that I can do it, but also I was suffering. And when I did the job, I mean, I'm not recommending this to anybody today, but when I was doing the job, I was suffering, but I went through, I was sweating. I was biting on my tongue, standing on, it was Palladium in London, standing there. And But also Kim Garvin and Gary were absolutely amazing. They knew I was little energy. They would look at me like, Okay, mate, don't worry. So they were so amazing to me. You know, like, they're like definition of creator at a choreographer sure. who actually feel your pain, but they mm. still love you and they want you to succeed. And they, and I remember I used to go down, and we were doing Anastasia and you have to go on your knees. I mean, I think it's on YouTube because I have to go on my knees. I was going it, but I was camouflaging it. So it looks like I'm amazing, but oh, so much cheating was going on. Dude. there. Dude. Like, yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> But you know what? the
1: idea I feel like I've seen that Anastasia performance I know exactly what movie oh, that is Oh, 2002 World and variety. Just Google thinking about it I'm in pain uh,
2: for you When you watch that I am in pain From beginning I mean, we're doing different artists Because we were the dancers For Royal Variety With Young, Gareth Gates And Liberty X Like, it was But again It's so weird That day I was dancing Liberty X And, Anne uh, I have so many stories The, the podcast is not long enough 2002, I'm dancing for Liberty X. Don't know who they are. 2003, February, there's an audition for Liberty X. They said massive people going, oh my gosh, the first tour, it's crazy. Again, people said, don't go because, you know, we know the um, choreographer, Priscilla Samuel. She's incredible. She was the woman who created that right now. Thank you. Spice Girls, waistline. She's done everything. Oh, wow. She, like, Priscilla Samuel was my God. But everybody went and said, don't because she's got her particular dancers. I went there. I was like, I don't care what you guys are saying. I'm just going to go for it, you know? I went for it. was three dancers got the job. Me, Tony Touch, and Princess Laura. Laura Jane. Like, wow. like, between again, everybody. Do you know what I mean? Like, everybody was there. And I got the job. And I confronted the princess. I said, why don't you employ commercial, my kind of dancers? I said, no, no it's all lies. It's just because people don't get the job. I love your energy. I, she said, mm. I do not like lazy dancers. Ha. Huh. That's all she said. And she said, lazy dancers. And I was there. <laughs> I was like, and I just came out from jungle. I was like, I want to get, and I did the tour. It was incredible. Like I was like, there's so many stories on like, my point is like, I never listen to anybody. I will get the good advice in me. It's like you're peeling something and you take only the good out of it. The negative out. Yes, I do love myself. Like I had a negative comment the other day. I posted on Facebook. Me and my husband enjoying this bath. And I'm like, oh my God, we enjoyed Like, Oh my God, you do love yourself. And I put a comment. I don't normally reply. Mm-hmm. And I said, in the words of legendary RuPaul, if you cannot love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? I always say, You can love yourself. There's the two things, being arrogant or confident. I'm a confident person. I'm not arrogant. I'm confident. I know who I am. I know what I can do. I know this angle looks great on me. I look pretty. I love myself. There's nothing wrong with that. Like when my friends were trying to date someone, they were unhappy. They would start dating and it wasn't working. I was like, guys, how can you date someone if you're not happy with yourself, if you don't love yourself? And most of the 99% are like, Freak, you're actually right. I, like, I am right because you have to be happy with yourself. That's why I always had things in me. I will do it. If it works, oh my God, if it doesn't work, there's a You will have thing something else. else. Thank you so much. There's always something else. Like, I mean, there's so many things like this happen in my life. I have a tattoo saying everything I have for a reason and it really did. Yeah. The way also I made you, the way I did Christian Libertas. I, was, I was
1: about to ask boom. you about that. So by the time we met in 2010, first, tell me, how did you meet Sojin Lee, who was the founder at the time of Fashion Air, who's right now in another startup called Toshi, who
2: used to be at Netaporte? Because she's the one who brought you in and clearly you know each other well. You're going to die how we met. Again, it's my star over <laughs> my head. What is going on is the power, is the energy, right? I was on tour with William, we were friends. And one day I was at Rand's house, uh, William invited me to go to see a show.
1: Oh, yeah. Isn't she friends with him?
2: Correct. Because ah, 19 management. because they were all connected, pop Idol, all that stuff. So they're friends. Never met this surgeon before. And I met you in 2010. So I'm going back. Okay. That was in 2008. So I am going to see Will, da-da-da, like watching the show and then after party, Will said, babe, just come to after party and then can you drive? I think at the time I was meant to be driving. Dominic Cooper, Amanda Seyfried and uh, James Corden in my car, in my little 4K to drive. Oh my to god, Cocoa. that's hilarious! <laughs> and the club that we showed the video for, we were going to. Oh, Cocoa. at Cocos, the Cocos. So it's like, can you just put you know James Corden next to me and I have a Dominic Cooper and then I'm on the safe in the back of my car in a 4K, 4K. I'm like, god, embarrassing, embarrassing of my life. And, and long story short, so, so we had the party and I said sorry and I met Sojin. I like, hi Sojin. It's like, hi oh, hi. We work with Real Bob. I was like, nice to meet you. Another time. I was kind of already thinking, I'm going to be 13, two years. I'm stop dancing. I'm not going to do much anymore. I just either going to go hairdressing, you know, do celebrity hair, or let's see how the life's going to pan out for moi. And I remember, that's it. We said hello and goodbye. That's She didn't come to call like, Do you want to come with me? I've got one more seat. She's like, no, thank you so much. Two years later, I get this call. Hi darling this is Sojin I was like Sojin like we met up William 2 years later Oh my god Two years. I mean Oh my god Sojin I said yes of course I mean literally this is 2010 November and I'm uh, I'm kind of like still dancing with a retiring moment we were uh-huh. doing X-Factor that was the X-Factor year when One Direction was and I was assistant choreographer for the show and I was That's still- big Oh it was I still was dancing, but I didn't want to dance. I was just choosing which show should I do because I'm Uh getting old. And also the 2010 X Factor was the youngest group ever. So I look like their grandpa. So I'm like, it's time to... That's a good good reason to stay far in the background. Oh my God. And I swear we're dancing. I remember we're doing uh, Kids in America. They were singing the song. And then I remember Simon, Simon Cowell said, no, we need to bring younger... Younger blood, which is true. I look like all my friends. We look like the dads. They even ask us to shave. I'm like, I haven't shaved for ten years. Oh wow! <laughs> like I was like, oh <laughs> That's my hilarious. god, like, it, it, it's just like it's so crazy. And then when Sojin said to me, Tarling can you come to the office? I have this job for you, and then um, I would love to see you. You told me you were going to choreograph. I remember you said she remember. I said I was going to maybe choreograph a crazy direction. I'm assisting now, but I never called myself as a creative director choreographer. Never because I didn't want to step on choreographer's toes. I'm the kind of person, I'm your dancer. And I'm, because now everybody's a choreographer. Everybody's a crazy director. Everybody's a dancer. They are literally like doing everything. At the time I was just a dancer, assisting and modeling left, right center. That's all I was. So, and when she came, I was like, again, what are we going to lose? I remember of I of said, course. I'm in a fountain studios. I will finish. I'm going to come to meet you. So I came to meet in a fashion air office. So I arrived, there was three, but no, you were not there. I don't
1: I wasn't there that day, but I remember the fashion air office. Yeah.
2: But I don't, so yeah. I went, there were three ladies and I think they had other choreographers there before me. So me going with my coffee, I just walked in and I started talking and I have, it's the first confession, I never said this to anybody. You're probably like, how the hell did you get the job? I sat there and they said to me, this is a job for Christian Lebouton And I mean, he didn't know. I didn't <laughs> I said that to Chris I went yeah I was like great and said, yeah you know and then when they said shoes you know he does the shoes I went oh my god yeah that's gr-. still oblivious amazing I'm like this is amazing I was like okay he's like well we're doing the shoes because Christian's gonna bring first ever male shoe. you know it's 2010 it's a brand new thing for him we wanna make him dance but we wanna go tap dance full out and I went right so and um, can I see Christian and they show me oh my Christian. God, that's I said, serious. and I went um do you want him to full on tap dance? Like, and we have only a couple of days. And again, me being, sometimes my poker face is good mm-hmm. or not. Like, yeah. and, and at the time, I, would, I never said this before. At the time, I, I was in the middle like this at the table and there were like four ladies uh, sitting there and I literally went, Let's create something. I said. Okay, the thing we have to do—we have only three days or two days for rehearsals. I doubt it. We're gonna do full-on tap dancing. Let's have two girls, black and white, do this. Do that. And they knew they were gonna film, you know, in Paris with Christian. I remember. I was like, um, "Yeah, what am I doing? What's happening here?" Literally. I mean, yes, great. And then also the girls can wear Christian shoe, you know, because I know it's boys, but it would be great. And then we're like just talking. And I think you guys already spoke what you kind of seeing visually. And then I literally was creating what we wow. created in Coco in my head. Mm-hmm. In my head. They're like, okay, thank you so much. I left. Two hours later, so called me. Okay, we're going to start. Thank you so much. This was great. I mean, you're joking, right? <laughs> I didn't ever remember. But thank God, thank God, somebody was putting the things in case. <laughs> and they went, this is like, you know, we have the two girls, we can style and we help to style everything. And the girls
1: were so great. So great.
2: Oh my I love God. These uh, girls. Shalina and Leanda, They were absolutely delicious. They looked incredible. And I think Chris called them Pearl and Diamond, Diamond and Pearl, you know, <laughs> that they still have their shoes. But it's so weird. And I was going back to do the single for X Factor because X Factor does single, you know, once a year they have this X Factor. And I was going assist Paul to do the single. So, and I went, oh, I just had a meeting with Christina Bouton. They're like, I was like, yeah, you know, she designed it. Like, Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but, you know, I don't know if I'm going to get it or not. You know, let's see. And then when I got the phone call, I mean, oh my God, this is incredible. And then we start creating it and then I made you. And I, until this day, I said that to Chris, every time I see her, we talk. I said, you actually keep my career. You guys, hmm. that video, I will never forget, went viral. That, yeah. I, re- I will never forget it was in Press, Hilton, website. It was so, it's everywhere. The Kardashians Mm. are watching. I met Dan Van Furstenberg. She told me when I was living in New York, she told me about the video. I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, and I said to because I was going to back to hairdressing. So when that kicked off, it's like all the fashion people came to me. We want you to do this. We want to say, oh my God, you that Chris Ah. Arthur Lian, the creative, the choreographer. I was like, and I literally took my hairdressing box And put back in the closet again. (laughs) It's like deja vu. I just said, I mean, at least you've got it. It's in
1: the closet. You can always store it. Oh, I don't even know where
2: it is now, but it was in the closet at the time. No, I was so grateful. And you guys were absolutely, I mean, when I made you, you were delicious. You were so amazing to me. I remember meeting in House, talking to each other, putting all the brief together. You were guys amazing. You were not big headed. You know, like sometimes you could have. The boss like, yeah, darling, don't do this. Don't do that. But you guys, you were so welcoming and I felt so good about it. And I remember a video came out 2010, end of time, like before Christmas, what it was. And he went, and I started doing Berlin Fashion Week. I did uh, Milan, London, and people were like, like directing the shows and, and the art, like it was just like, I was like, what's happening to me? It's like, a woo I was loving every single minute That was my new life starting, if you mm, will. So, that's um,
1: fascinating to see that it was such a pivotal moment. 100%. And sometimes you don't know why you meet people.
2: True.
1: But that night when you met Sojin, it was
2: fated. I guess the impression I gave it to her, she remembered that, wait a minute, there's so many creative director choreographers. Why don't you go to them? Do you know what I mean? And why are you calling me? It's so weird how... I know why. Because she liked you, because you made a great uh, impression. Uh.
1: <laughs> if I pick a thread through all of the amazing things that happened over the course of your career, ever since the beginning, and every time you defied the odds, what I'm feeling is the energy that you put out in the world is so wonderful. Thank you. That people almost have no choice but to want to be near you. But yeah. People will always remember, remember how you make them feel. Yeah. And I think that's why you're so memorable. People remember how you made them feel. That oh. gets callbacks, that gets yeses, okay. that gets shows and, and creative direction. So okay. I remember very well walking with Christian,
2: who was not feeling massively confident about this. Oh, I remember be he, honest. Said, he said, you were tough. You made me dance like, well, oh, that was my job. But you were so kind with him.
1: And I think that with kindness, you can make people work very hard. And he did really well in the end. And we had such a ball. I mean, you guys were like separated at birth. You made me laugh so hard that week. (laughs) I was like, this is really my job. I have to spend half a day in a a studio and watch Christian
2: learn to tap dance. This so is brilliant. was brilliant. So I mean we did three days, and he said to me, I think he did a quote also on his website he said, Thanks to Ahtur Gumulian, my new best Armenian friend, that if I wasn't tough on him in a good way, he said he would have never done this. Because that was the first time the world seen Christian dancing. Yeah. You know? The, well, he never done dancing like that. Or well. Perhaps
1: a part of him always wanted to dance like that. Uh, Ah, no. (laughs) Well, I mean, you'll have to ask him to confirm this, but you've been on a dance floor with him since then. So you know that there's probably one point that you both have in common. Or is it two? Both you have extraordinary energy because he really has a very big, powerful sort of energy as well. Yeah. Yeah, And you guys love to dance. absolutely. And I've seen him sometimes looking essentially, respectfully, like the Duracell rabbit. Like he yes. keeps on turning yeah. on the <laughs> dance floor. And you're like, how can he keep, he keep going? going?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you mm. see, life, we love life. We love energy. We love music. Hey, so I,
1: I love it. I love it. <laughs> I know that at many parties... I was the one who would open the dance floor because he wanted to <laughs> dance, but no one was dancing. So you are like me. You were actually so the... So I learned to have no shame. As oh, long as I like well, the music. Because well, if I don't like the music, I'll walk off.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I love it.
1: I love. Thankfully, Beyonce. he likes a bit too. of Beyonce. So we're fine.
2: <laughs> oh, I love it. Actually, the, the one of the positive things also, I remember I was getting my visa for America. I was getting in Paris and we met up to his house. We had like nice dinner and everything. And I said, oh my God, it's like you have the lucky charm. Like every time I got my visa, I'm in Paris. I wasn't sure if I'm going to get it or not. And he was there that time me and Brian went to his house to have dinner. I was like, it's like you're my lucky mm. charm. Every time I see something good happening. So it's weird. It's like the energy. I think it's the yeah. energy. I think the good. It's like, I don't like, I don't want to say don't like, but I don't want to be around negative people. I want to be happy, especially with jobs now. Everything I choose to do. I want to be with people that make me laugh. We're having, I'm a hard worker, but I want to also laugh. I don't want to be bitchy or I don't want to like backstabbing each other.
1: Yeah, I hear you. I think that it takes a lot of courage and self-awareness to change your life around in order to make room for the better things and to get rid of what doesn't work for you. Correct. Yeah. Listen, I don't want to give a bad rep to negative energy because sometimes you need to have that sort of conflict. Yeah, okay. I'm and on. and it's part of life, right? It's I you know love friction that. also is one of the things that helps us. Obstacles yeah. help yeah. us
2: yeah. get to another side of who we are. Yeah. You have to make mistakes to learn from mistakes. And I love whatever mistakes I've made in my life, I'm learning from my mistakes. Yeah. You have to, people are like, oh, how can you make mistakes? But mistakes are good also. It's like yeah. similar to what you're saying. Negative will make you stay positive. Hey, eh? but
1: look at what happened to you when you were 12. And then what happened when your dad passed away. You went through such difficult, difficult times. Because I'm sure it wasn't just like that punctual one week that was hard. You went through a lot oh. of hardship early on in your life and you choose consistently to overcome difficulties and Correct. to do your best and do your hardest. It's very inspiring. It makes me feel. Uh, do you know the Hero's Journey by Joseph Campbell?
2: No, but I need so to know. So Joseph after Campbell this. is
1: a is a very famous. I want to say anthropologist, but I may be wrong. But he wrote this seminal theory about how the fact that pretty much all of the biggest stories since the dawn of time. Okay. are follow one model, one arc that he's okay. named The Hero's Journey. Okay. And you can look it up online. You can buy the book. Okay. It's, it can be a little bit academic sometimes. Yeah. But it's interesting because for a hero to become himself, he must yeah. go through very hard things.
2: And actually so, you nailed it there. You're true. With what I had in my past, maybe that's how I am who I am. You're right. And I never actually thought about that. It's actually the mm-hmm. first time I'm actually listening to someone saying, out loud. Yeah, Mm. you're right. You're absolutely right.
1: Mm. So you became a choreographer. You did all this amazing work. Yeah. And then you landed a job in Ireland on Dancing (laughs) with the Stars, which is,
2: as a judge, which is an incredible job. What's that been like? That's another thing. I would have never, when I said this, believe me, I would have never in a million years would have thought I would end up on a massive platform like this. Because uh, funny enough, I was dancing with Emma Bonton back in 2004 for Strictly Come Dancing. That's uh-huh. ever. Wow. It, like May. You were on Strictly? As a, as a, for pop stars. So okay. I went on Strictly with Emma Bonton because I remember when they said, oh, there's this new show coming on BBC, Strictly Come Dancing. And I remember as a dancer, Will said, oh my God, who's going to watch Ballroom? You know, like Ballroom is not commercial, bang, bang, bang. It's not Destiny Charles or whatever. But it became so huge. And I will never forget, I was there with Emma Bonten, I think Cricket Song. We were dancing. I was like, oh my God, this looks incredible. But not think of like one day I'm going to be sitting there. And then two years later, I was talking to Bruno Tonioli in Sohaus, House. I was working with Bernard Rama. They're very good friends. He was like, oh, darling, it's one of the best jobs. I got there and there. I was like, I would love to have your job. I mean, sitting there and talking about your expertise. You know what you're talking about and just getting paid. I mean, in the end of the day, it's a job. We want to make money, but also enjoy the momentum. But I have never thought that one day, I mean, what's happened, you know, the pandemic changed our lives because we were living in LA. My dreams was always going to Los Angeles and I got the visa. Again, when I said to my husband, I'm going to go and get a visa to move to America. He went, ha, ha, ha. And I said, no, no, ha, ha, ha. I am going to do it. And he said, yeah, but you have to go through much, so much, blah, blah, blah. And I said, but I will do it. And I remember, like I was saying earlier, I got in Paris, my visit, and we went back to hotel. And he cried, he said, oh my God, everything you say, you actually, I was like, Yes, because I want to do it. So we moved to America. I moved to New York and then LA. It was going great, great, great. And Brian did Dancing with the Stars back in 2020, before pandemic started. So he was dancing on it. I'm like, well, done. I love you. I'm going to come to meet you and then I'm going to go on holiday in 2020 and then we're going to go back to LA. But we all know things change. And I remember I was in LA. I called Brian and I said, oh my God, what are we going to do? Because I can stay here. We we're having the best time, but everybody said, if you're Irish out from LA because the thing right. is, is the unknown. We don't know what's happening. Yeah. And my friends, Donald Skin, who is actually a very big chef, he's got his own shows and everything. And he was meant to be coming back to shoot a show. And he said, Arthur, I'm picking the family, taking the house. We're moving because we don't know what could happen. What if the next five years? We don't know too much. We don't know. And I said, Do you know what? I'm coming. In three days, I packed our house, packed everything. Bear in mind, in the middle of the pandemic, everything is shut down. You can't even call people. I don't know how I did it. And then I moved in with my friends, Donald and his family, two boys and Sophie, the wife. We stayed there and we came all together to Ireland. And again, it's like another, like, am I starting all over again? My God, how yeah. many countries i have like lived so many different countries, but every time it's starting from scratch. But this time was different because I moved in with Brian and since we know each other, we made 2002, it's the first time we spent nine months non-stop. It was the Mm. best feeling. I know it's so sad what's happened, you know, it's so uh, horrible, but for us, it was actually a good feeling because I was always gone for two, three months or two weeks. He was hosting a TV show there and there, or he was hosting an event. So we always traveled, but it was this time, first time as husband, as, you know, family, we stayed in his childhood room, you know, like this mini room with this big bed. We couldn't even move. So it was the best feeling. We were watching movies after movies. There's nothing you can do. So, and then I remember, I was like, oh my God, if we stay in Ireland, what am going to do? We always knew we are going to come to Ireland. We always knew, but in 10, 15 years, you know, stay in America, we were trying to adopt you know, kids in America, we wanted like kids. We were doing the procedure, all that stuff. So stay there and then come back and settle here and love life. But I would have never predicted that in two years after living in America, I'll be actually moving to Ireland. So I remember at the time, and I think 2020, it was still in lockdown. I created my own company for closing because I worked so much in closing. I was like, I love socks. So that's another thing I pushed. I I feel like I knew that about you.
1: Did you tell me already? Or just maybe, you must I mean, have told. Maybe well, you seen mean, on social
2: media, like it's. And maybe also,
1: yeah, you must have. I told did socks. I
2: did tell you. I did. Yeah. Yes, I always love socks. And I not your generic socks, like bold, crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. socks. And I remember, I was like, Do you know what? I work so hard on my life. Why don't I have something that I can push myself? And let's create socks. We know, and what our worst can happen. And I launched this year, February. It's been doing so well. Thank God, it's great. There's other things coming. So again, lockdown. Brought something new, but I wasn't just sitting and rolling my fingers. What am I going to do? Because also, on my industry was dead. There was nothing. How my industry money? was
1: decimated.
2: Finito, gone. I, we, I wasn't earning mm. money for two years. I didn't make a penny. I was like, what am I doing? But not only me, everybody around me. So when I did that, Brian was like, oh my god, are you sure you're doing this? But this is a, Brian is very positive, but sometimes we have to push. Like, and when I push him, he's incredible. But me, you don't have to push me. I'm literally going like a bull. Woo! Let's go for it. And it, it's successful. It's really good. There's more things coming. But then I remember we were in 2021. I went to carry uh, with some friends, just having fun. And then I got a phone call. And again, life-changing momentums. And that was uh, Eugenia, the producer from Dancing with the Stars. I said, Hi, darling, it's Eugenia, you know, Dancing with the Stars. I was like, oh, great. You can speak to Brian. And he said, no, no, we're calling for you. And I went, oh. He said, yeah, basically, you're the first call. We are auditioning people for a judging position. And I literally stood there because I think we're having to take away fish and chips or something. And I went, wait, wait, I need to go out. I was like, what? He said, yes, because now you're in Ireland, we would love to for you to audition. Is this something you would consider? I went, this is a job. Where is the hidden camera? Please show me. I went, oh. Oh my God, absolutely. I said, Eugenia, if you actually called me two years ago, maybe I would say no because I was in America. It was different momentum. But I'm here. Again, what do I have to lose? Nothing. Again, in my head, I will never get this. Come on. A foreigner, non-English speaker in you know, on Irish TV, prime TV, no way. But me being me, I'm like, absolutely absolutely so she said can you send me some tapes and then we'll take it from there so i had to uh, you know self-tape hello my name is whatever you do and i send the tapes i didn't hear anything for like a month and half i was like okay you know i didn't go through it it's fine and then i remember september 2021 they called me they're saying hi we you know from everybody we cut down can we have screen test with you and i mean what i was like what This, this is this oh, is hysterical. So I was like, uh, yeah, I was like of course when I'm there. And again, I'm actually laughing inside because it's a one in a million and a one in a, you can't plan this. So again, me i was like let's just go have fun. Whatever it is, it is So I went there and obviously I recognized some of the dancers. They were auditioning everybody. So I'm waiting in the hotel lobby. They called me and I walked in the room and you have Lauren Barry, who's the queen of ballroom. She's the one of the judges. She's incredible. I mean, she's a legend. And then obviously she's in the middle. And then there's a another boy uh, on her left who's auditioning. And I'm sitting this uh, right side. So I sat there, they told me what to do. Uh, Darren, who's the choreographer, creative director, he was presenting like the presenter pretending. Uh and I just have to watch a video and I just, freestyle. You know, as you do, you just watch a video. And I stood, like I stood, stood, sat there. and I mean, okay, in my head, I mean, either this is going to be yes, or I'm just going to be completely embarrassing myself, making fool of myself. I just went for it. Just being myself. I had fun. They swapped us. I had fun. I had a good time. They were giving me feedback. I'm just enjoying myself, literally enjoying myself. Left. Thank you so much, everybody. Bye. Again, cold one, I said, I audition, but listen, listen, <laughs> come on, come yeah. on, come on. Like, what are the chances? A month later, October, phone call, privately, Eugenia, hi, Arthur, congratulations, you got the job. I literally oh. dropped, I went, oh. That's so amazing. And, and it was just the biggest cherry on the cake for me, for as a career or crazy director, choreographer, to get that phone call to do it. And I will never forget 9th of January, 2022, I sat in that chair. And when Jennifer Zamparelli, the host said, how does it feel? And at that moment, I feel like it was all blur. It's all like literally still on. You know, when you watch a movie, everything stopped. And I said, either you go crazy, have fun, or you just die and you're a car crash and you finito. So I went the opposite. I went crazy, loving life, enjoying myself. Hmm. You know, one minute you're working with Rihanna, Beyonce, and you're here in the studio. That's what she was saying. One minute you're working with those people and now you're here and you're judge. So how does it feel? Hmm. And the best feeling in the world. Best feeling in the world. And I'm back doing second season. Well, I mean, for me, second season, it's six seasons. So when they call me, that's I was doing great. one. I was doing one. I was in my head, you know, like Harshob is again. I was only I'm so doing-
1: glad because I want I must tell you. I looked online yesterday quite a bit and I couldn't see confirmation and there was not that much inf- well, information there. Well, it's exclusive.
2: I am doing it. Yay! <laughs> yeah, we have the shoot soon and I I'm and it's a big thing because I'm the first ever foreigner who is on primetime Irish television.
1: Wow. Congratulations.
2: Life. Life. Yeah, that never happened. Congratulations. So f- thank you wow. so much. So for, for them to take a risk on me, it's a huge risk. Yeah. I mean, would you take that risk? It's a huge I risk. I would. I would. i make bold. <laughs> you see, I
1: love bold people. Yes. But also, again, I think it it comes down to energy. Because I think that the difficulty that TV must have against all of the, the streaming services yeah. is that they need to offer something in terms of entertainment that yeah. goes beyond what's being offered, right? Yeah. And yeah. I think that's where there's such tremendous possibility within these kinds of competitions because yeah. there's so much talent, there's so much emotion, Great. and there's so much artistry that comes through. And 100%. it's hard,
2: oh, right? God, that's so beautifully put on. Seriously. That is, uh, no, you're right.
1: Uh, I think that's why this is one of the things that remains a real a value for TV yeah. that cannot really be replicated.
2: It's true. True.
1: But true. so I wanted to talk about this before talking about the fact that you're half of a power, celebrity power couple. <laughs> oh my God. So, not all of our listeners will know that you are. Married to a very famous man. Very, very. I remember I watched Big Brother. Did you? I did. So I need to tell you that I was brand new in the UK, and even though I did speak English, I realized very early on that I would have difficulties in feeling comfortable meeting new people and stuff if I had no idea about the the culture. Yeah, and it's true that I had a very Americanized culture around music and tv and movies mm. so i thought all right there's this new thing that's starting it's called big brother it sounds daft but i'll watch it anyway and so i watched those two after that i let go i never watched coronation street but i yeah. watched some of the other tv shows it's east just getting into the I culture i be able to hold a conversation
2: with people anywhere and you are right, without yeah, social media remember, remember. Remember, there's no social media, nothing. And you're right. You want to go... But also,
1: I wanted a little bit of depth, right? You don't want to stay at that surface level. So I don't remember everything, but I do remember that Brian was incredibly hilarious, good-looking, charismatic. (laughs) And until I listened to that other interview of you and him on that really great podcast uh, called Mamma Mia, I think. That's it. I had forgotten he was a flight attendant
2: on... on you are. From Ryan. So anyways, (laughs) can you please tell me how did you meet? Oh my God. Well, you see, funny enough, I never watched Big Brother. Like when I arrived to UK, it was 2002. So he was already there, but I never, no, I never watched it. But we have this debate when we met and I'm always right. We met 27th of December, 2002. So uh-huh. because he's like, no, it's 28. I was like, no, it was 27 going to midnight, which was 28. So we have all this this debate. But because he was hosting a, a show called SMTV at the time. And uh, normally oh, yeah. every Saturday he's working live. But because it was uh, after Christmas, they pre-recorded already. So for New Year, they can relax. So that Saturday he wasn't working. Saturday 28. So I made him Friday 27. <laughs> so, and I remember there was a big um, gay club, very famous called Shadow Lounge, uh-huh. which was uh, not far from Old Concert street, street. And then I, it's weird again, we're going back to how I think in life, how I stay positive mm. and how I push myself. I was actually dating someone, but you know, just dating. I mean, I was just seeing someone and we went out and that night I said, listen, it's not going to go anywhere. Thank you so much. I just arrived here. I just want to enjoy. Bye-bye. And the guy said, are you sure? But I like you. I was like, Thank you so much. But I think it's for Finito. So he left. Me being me, I was going to go home. I was literally going to go home, jump on my night bus and go home. But then I was turning away. And then Deborah Cox, absolutely not. It was a huge song. Came on. Of course. Oh, my God. I was like, that song was absolutely incredible. So I went, Do you know what? Turn around, go on the dance floor. Me being, again, I'm not sure. I went and started dancing on my own. And I started boogieing on my own a little bit before I go home. And I will never forget again that slow motion moment. I see this guy sipping on his Smirnoff eyes with a, a straw and staring at me. I was like, why is he staring at me? Okay, I was like, he's he was very cute. know, so my type, blue eyes, you know, this like chisel boy. And I was like, oh my God, he's cute. And he came to me. And when he came to me, he couldn't speak English. So he started chatting me out. And I went, the, 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 we are uh, from and he left that was he bought that's brain Brian oh wow and he went to his friend another time I was fancying his best friend's brother sexy Spencer I was like oh my god he's so hot it was like muscly beautiful only now I know his best friend Simon said he said UK doesn't speak English God just charged it to him so he came back and we started chatting and I said, I'm a dancer. He was like, yeah, of course you are dance. And then uh, we just kept it like this, but everybody was staring at him. Everybody was like, trying tried to flirt. I we was like, you are you, sorry for my language, S-L-U-T, or something I'm missing here. Why is everybody trying to rob you, your attention? And then... We kissed and then that's it, nothing happened. So we dated for a week without me knowing again who is. I don't know his second name. So we're kind of dating. I'm in rehearsals because I'm performing on CDA UK week after for Zoe Burkett. And I still don't know what's going on. Telling my friends, oh my, i am been seeing this guy. He's very cute. I don't know where it's gonna go. Let's just go with the flow. Uh, next Saturday, January 2003, I'm doing a CDUK. I'm in a canteen in ITV studios. Oh. ITV- I said, it's weird, weird. I see Brian and Tess Daly walking past the canteen like this. No way. I went, Lisa, oh my God, that's Brian. And that little bitch, sorry for my language, ignored me. I went, what? I mean, I love it. This is the guy I've been dating the whole week. And she said, Brian? Dowling? I mean, I don't know the second name, but it's Brian. I know it's Brian. I don't know Dowling. Long story short, they're calling us to go live City UK. So I'm going. to Treat me like a lady. Is the song I will never forget. I am dancing full out while far in distance. I see Tess and Brian keep gossiping like two little girls. Like and obviously they were talking about me. I don't know what exactly they, they were saying. Tess was saying, "Oh, he's cute," blah blah. And I went, "Oh my god, you're the guy!" But then after that, I was like, "Why do you not tell me?" He thought I'm going to be like, "Oh my god, you're so famous!" Oh my god, I love famous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about famous people. I do you not care? And that's how we met and obviously fell in love. But we were kind of on and off for four years. We were literally, we had a gap because the thing is, when I say he was so famous at the time, like there was no social media and nothing on and he was so loved, like he was doing SMTV and he I broke I remember. Away. Everyone Even. knew him. Everybody. And he's the first ever openly gay TV, his TV presenter. That never happened yeah. in history. He won a BAFTA for it. I mean, Brian's done a lot for it's been 22 years. He's been in the industry. He's done incredibly well. So, but again, it doesn't affect me, famous or not. So, he doesn't, but because he was so famous and he was young, there was some arrogance in it. Um, he won't kill me because he knows that. And I mean, like, wait a minute. You're not treating me right. Then goodbye. We're on and off, on and off, and I'm done. Thank you so much. So we broke up for five years, and then obviously the sparkle, we were single. And again, 2011, we went for dinner, and I went, oh, <laughs> hello, hello, how are you doing? <laughs> and he went, and then we started dating again, but we kept it quiet, because obviously people knew our stories now, like, we didn't want to say, oh, we're back together. So for three months, we dated, and then we obviously said we're back together, and the friends went, are you sure? Because you've been there. And I remember we are back together. with oh, the 6. friends. Yeah. Yeah. All the, the friends like, are you sure? We're well, 100% sure. But it was the best thing because I think we had to do our stuff, you know, because after that, obviously when I met him, I was just new in UK, my career kicked off and I didn't want to have, not baggage, but someone like, oh, you, you're getting this job because you're dating someone. No, no. He can I officially say he never bought me a job. Like all the things I have, it's thanks to me, not Brian. So it's, it's weird, you know? I would not even have, that wouldn't even cross my mind. But some people would, mm. but I, uh, we were not even going on red carpets because I didn't care. I'd, like he was getting invites left, right. center. I did not care. I just love the guy because he's so funny on. We never have a dull moment in this household. It's absolutely bonkers. So I love it. And when we go back together, he oh, said- I to him, yeah. Oh, I believe it you. Oh, He literally is. And he said to me, this is it either we're getting, because he was waiting for me to propose, either we get married or we can't carry on. And I mean, oh, well, give me a time. My God, we'll just go back together. So no, it was perfect. We got engaged in 2014. Actually, I remember I saw Jean's wedding. We were talking to Roland Murray and Roland was, you know, with James, they were married and everything. And they were, I was like, Hold on, stop it. Because he was pushing Brian like uh, oh. for me to push to ask him. I was like, hold oh, on, no, no not, yet. not yet. I was like, oh my God. Because Brian wanted to get married, but I was, I was, I, I'd rather have family, kids. I was more kids than fam- marriage. But then I think Sojin was June or something. And then in July, we got engaged on holiday. So I asked him uh-huh. to get married. And then a year later, we got married in 2015, which was also another big thing because the referendum 2015 yeah. in Ireland went the first referendum in the world and it passed. But people thought we did that because of that. I was like, no guys, we got engaged 2014. It took a year to organize a wedding. We're not going to click our fingers. It was just happened that it happened the same year. So the wedding was everywhere. Like... I remember living in New York. People knew about the wedding, like living in New York. Oh, really? They knew because obviously gay world also small. Why don't you do a big thing? It's a huge thing. It went everywhere. So people knew. In two hours, I remember that picture went everywhere. 2015.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's also probably because you were both very good looking in that picture. Oh my God, stop it! (laughs) You were very good looking and you looked very, very
2: happy. You looked so happy. happy. We had three amazing days. Oh, it was absolutely magical. That's Amazing.
1: I really wanted to ask you about is you hinted it already. So you moved to LA, and while you were established in the US, you thought you were going to stay longer, and right, you wanted to start a family. And actually, I heard Brian explain that he took your name as well. That's right. Like that both parents have the same last name, which is important when you have and a child.
2: That's right. Through service or adults, and
1: and right. exactly, and so you were in the middle of that. First, would you tell me a little bit about what it's been like, your journey for you guys to, to get a
2: family? Yeah. When we got married, I remember I always wanted family. Like I even said to Brian, I'd rather have kids than getting married because, you know, I'd never really had on my car The marriage wasn't there. But I always wanted to have kids. But also not even surrogacy, but adoption. I always, because me being a refugee asylum seeker, I wanted to help other kids. Not even refugee or just like help kids in general. So when we were in LA, we started the procedure, we went to see agencies, we had meetings after meetings. It was going so well, but then with our luck, pandemic happened, so everything stopped. You know, we moved here and we started the procedure in in pandemic, phone calls, things like that. It's so hard to adopt in Ireland. First of all, it's good there's not many kids, but also like that's amazing. Yeah. But also when we called, when we say we're gay, it's already like... um. Taboo kind of right, so really like ah, yeah, and also we're getting older. So if there are kids, they're gonna go to I'm 42, Brian's 44, the kids gonna go to someone who's in their 30s. So it was very like a it's like down, it's like somebody's beating you down. Every time we open a door, the door is literally shut into your face. It was such a heavy momentum for Brian and I. We've been working on this uh, since, I mean, working so so businessy, like. but we want to have family since we got married because that was our next chapter in our lives. But obviously, didn't work, didn't work, didn't work. And then we just end up saying, okay, I was kind of against it because again, I couldn't justify to spend so much money to the surrogacy. It's expensive. If you can't afford surrogacy, it's sad so many families can't have kids. So even though they want it, but they kind of stole the money. And yeah. I mean, that was really upsetting me. But obviously now the adoption, is very late for us and surrogacy was the next thing. But then miracle happened when, um, you know, because people saying, oh my God, Brian's got so many sisters, surely somebody will help you. You always joke, you know, you always kind of like joke, yeah, oh my God, would you do it? Would you do it? And all of them, they said, listen, I would have done it, but I've already three kids, one kid. And, you know the, my pregnancy was very hard on me. I wouldn't do it. But One person who literally saved us, like she gave me the most, Oh my God, I can't even describe. I always saying we'll never be able to repay for back because what she done for us, it's, it's just selfless. Is that the word self? Like, like, yeah, no string attached. I remember first time she approached us. We're like, Oh my God, stop it. Yeah, whatever. Like, you know, you're joking. And then I think second time she approached us, like, Oh my God, stop it. You know, joking again, you know, you don't think she's all. Like it's a big thing, you know, just to say, Oh, I'm going to do it for you. And then, and then what's happened, uh, we were literally thinking and saying to each other, we are going to go with Aoife, but at the same time, Brian went on a walk, came back and that was kind of like the momentum's there. We are actually doing, and, um, it's going to happen. It's actually going to happen. And from there, that was January, 2021. And that's all it started, getting all together. <laughs> it all started together and and we started the procedure. And now here we are. We, I mean, it was up and down. It was a rollercoaster of journey, mm-hmm. especially in Ireland, because there's no legislation in Ireland. There's no laws, surrogacy. Ah. So you don't know where you're going. It's been a massive, massive thing. But there are things changing here, which is amazing. And everybody should be able to do surrogacy. Like it's like, you helping families so much, yeah. you have no idea. And people saying, "But why do you want to have kids?" That was my purpose. I always wanted family. I always, always my dream to help someone, or I always want to have family. I want to keep that legacy going. The Darling Gurunan legacy. I want that to be going. Why not? You know? Yeah. And we have the most incredible little Baba Blake Marie Rose. She's just our life. <laughs> she What was I doing? I was like, Thursday, 5 p.m. I don't remember. Like she literally took her life. Like we've been doing a documentary. The reason we did documentary, again, people will always have opinions, but again, you're just doing it and we wanted to show how it is. It's not that easy because we are happy, we're positive, but because we are happy and positive, do you know what I mean? It's not difficult. It's, it's just difficult. Of course, so. yeah. It's,
1: it's, I think it's because we always we tend to show it's like a photo album, right? Whether it's yeah. video or photo.
2: yeah. You don't put the really bad stuff in the photo album. <laughs> yes. Actually, uh, great. Yeah, you describe that amazingly. Brian was saying that. Brian was saying, listen, you see our Instagram. It's only like 15 seconds and one minute. It's great. But I mean, we. All, I'm always literally happy. I know, believe me or not. I'm always there. But there are like the bad things when they don't work. They didn't happen. They just, the documentary Specify everything. And we won't share that journey with us. And I said, if I help, one, two, three, four families with that documentary, my job is done because I want them, if they want to go through this journey, go for it. And since we actually came out and said that is carrying our baby, the amount of messages we have, sisters saying, oh my God, I'm going to do for my sister. I'm going do for my brother. There's some family starting oh, doing it beautiful. because they got inspired by Ifa's story. Because people didn't realize, I mean, don't get me wrong, I was very close about surrogacy that a family member can carry. And then you educate yourself. You're actually learning things. And once you educate yourself, you know, it's not, if it's got nothing to do, she's not the mother, nothing. She's a surrogate. We have an egg, we have the sperm, embryo, and that's it. So her blood is not even the same blood. Do you know what I mean? So people educate themselves.
1: So I've been educating myself too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I love it. it.
1: But there is something very interesting about the environment in which the child is Cooked, if you wish. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. there are some parts of science that now can explain a lot more how the body, the mother, yeah. the carrier, yeah. um, how her state of mind, her general well being in life, and everything else she puts in her body, how much that also does shape 100%. the child. 100%. And it, it's fascinating because I first heard about how much the environment makes us who we are yep. and I read an amazing book called Mindful of Race by okay. a famous meditation teacher called Ruth King okay. and it's not until I had a conversation with a fertility doctor yeah. that I then understood that this applies in, in way more areas than we can understand oh my God. so having a loving family member being the carrier of your child must have it's helped. a huge positive impact
2: on the baby as well so oh, true I mean she's the aunt She sees the baby every day. She loves it. And also if she's my superhero, because the thing is, she's so strong in her mind. She knows it's not her child. Here in Ireland, when we go through a procedure, you know, going to hospitals, meetings, everything, they keep referring to her, like talking to her. She's like, I'm not a mother. Don't talk to me. Like these are the dads that you have to talk to them. We respect her so much from it. And the thing is, we're still learning things every day. And I think at the end of my life, I'm going to still learning something about surrogacy, about human body. And I can't even like, there's no words to describe the feeling. And, and it has been so strong. if has been definitely so strong. Mm. I'm losing my words now because it's...
1: Oh, but that's wonderful. Listen, so you've been a great source of joy in my life. And Blake has been a great source Blake. of joy in my life, <laughs> I must say. <laughs> uh, she's so cute. And seeing you and Brian being dads is absolutely wonderful. I've heard the two of you on another podcast explain who's lenient, who's a little bit more serious as a a dad, but just clearly there's so much love going on in that household. That's going to be a very happy baby.
2: Hey, oh, the baby's so happy. I mean, she loves the camera already. And we were laughing. I mean, have you of seen who she we does. are? Of course she exactly. does. <laughs> of course she does. Actually,
1: <laughs> I really wanted to plug this thing. So I was looking at your YouTube yesterday and one of the Instagram lives that you must have done. No, it was not a live. It was like your blooper video. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> It's one of my favorites. Clearly, it's one of the top watched videos on your uh, on your YouTube. And this is just you and Brian in front of the camera.
2: Oh my God, Touching up your hair <laughs> um, Oh, listen How many times Did I touch my hair today? Seriously I uh,
1: loved it <laughs> Loved it you, know what? you need to remind me If oh one day God. I feel sad or down
2: oh. I need to just watch <laughs> that again And giggle He hates when I touch my hair It's like, oh my God He hates oh, my he hair doesn't, like, he. Please. No, I love your hair I, you see. Do you know what? Can I just say something? It's a revelation I feel like girls love Men with long hair But I feel like gays Don't love too much. I think men love men with short hair, but the girls, like they love long hair.
1: No, I don't. I don't love long hair. I love your hair. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can't speak to other men's hair, but yours is fantastic. It's very voluminous. Thank you. (laughs) It's very voluminous indeed. And maybe I have a bit of hair envy. Let's put it this way.
2: (laughs) We can share. On sharing is caring. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) So, We've already talked for quite a bit of time. I'm about to go to my closing questions. Okay. Is there anything else that you would like to share before I give you my quick fire round?
2: No, I, my new chapter starting. It's with our baby and there's a new things coming. I'm, again, I feel like I'm changing career now. Like there's a few other new things happening that you know, stay tuned, you know, it's coming. So that's very exciting. And obviously I'm still creative and choreographer, but I feel like I'm changing as a human. Like uh, I always said from 20, 30, I was dancer, assistant, model, actor, whatever it was, 30 to 40, I was creative choreographer. Now 40 to 50, I feel like there's a new era for the Dowling Gurlian household. And I'm actually so looking forward to it. I love challenges. Uh-huh. Nothing affects me. I love challenges and I'm taking every challenge I can. I can't. See, my- you're
1: the hero on the journey. <laughs> mm. That's what I thought. Thank you, Maxi. <laughs> so as you know, the podcast is at the crossroads between business and mindfulness. That's right. So one of the things that I'd love to hear from you is, obviously you, you've you been, like everyone else, going through a lot of ups and downs in the last few years and a lot of uncertainty. What is your go-to? What helps keep you sane or grounded, whether
2: it's a physical practice, spiritual, mental? Oh my God, that's an amazing question. I'm not going to lie to you. Do you know what I love doing? People watching. I, and I love, I think going back to the beginning of podcast, the way how I started dancing, I remember being on a podium and watching 5,000 people dancing and eating individual was so different. It's actually, I feel like I'm sucking up all their energy, good or bad. I love people watching and it's calming me. I just, I'm, an, I'm a, mm. it's, it's Voyeur, would you say the words? But no, Voyeur is different, right? In Francais.
1: Yeah, Voyeur
2: would be hidden. I'm literally here in your face and love it. I think it's, it's calming, it's good. But also at the same time, it's, a, it's such an incredible question. I don't really have anything. I wake up in the morning, I just, I go, I take day by day. I take my life day by day. I don't plan many things. Brian will plan the whole year. I will plan day by day. He will have, we have our baby's christening soon. He will have everything ready. But I'm like, I don't even have my suit, what I'm wearing, because I live day by day because I want to enjoy today. I really want to enjoy today. So,
1: Oh my God. I think I, I think maybe that's an interesting thing to to leave you with. Grounding principle is to live day by day.
2: I love, yeah, I am. I remember dating mm. people when I say, they're like, oh, uh, what do you do next? Well, I was like, guys, I don't know. I want to live by day. I don't know if what's going to happen to me. I think also my dad changed me a lot. I think because he has so many, so many, not memory, and um, Things to do, plans, plans, plans. So yes, I many things he wanted to do. Never done them. Never, never done them. He worked his bum off. He never done them. He wanted to see Eiffel Tower. I've seen Eiffel Tower about a million times. Every time I go there, I don't pray, but I do little thing for him. It's for my dad. Every time I'm there, it's for my dad. So that's why I feel like I live day by day. I don't say tomorrow. I'm thinking. Of course, naturally you will do something. But yeah, people watching and. That's my gut too, really. I bet it's an answer that I don't think anybody will ever say, but yeah, it's I don't meditate at all because I'm so hyped. You will never have me in one place. I'm like a Tasmanian devil. I love watching shows, but that's not really my thing. I just I would literally go walk and look at people. Oh, like going to a coffee shop. I love watching people. Mm. That's my that's that's my
0: beautiful. Good. But I think that's what's lovely.
1: We don't all need the same thing right 100%. that's why i like to ask everyone the same question because i, I love guess that, that no. and sometimes we will find someone who's perhaps Maybe going so. to mirror or inspire us to try something yeah and realize that this is something that we can hang on to yeah so i guess for you to enjoy the people watching and that's why there's a mindful element to it you're present you're actually looking at these people you're not just zooming out in the distance no. right i love the way you put that yeah
2: well i'm stealing that the way you just said this. Oh, 100%. Steal
1: it away. <laughs> now, what is a favorite word that you would potentially, not saying that you
2: should, tattoo on yourself? Favorite word. Well, actually, I am going to tattoo that funny you say that. I always say, let's do this. It's not a word, but okay, let's great. do this. Let's oh do my this. God. I'm like a freak. I didn't even realize I say that. I will say, let's do this after each sentence. I don't think I've said it in a podcast yet, but I feel because I'm having a conversation. But if I do stories or I do, like, let's do this. Okay, let's do this. Like, that's my energy. Let's do this.
1: That's the choreographer or the dancer, I feel like. Or the performer emerging. You're
2: right. You're Exactly. It's like, come on, let's do this. That's my go-to word with like a lightning bolt always in the end. I don't know why. Amazing. That's my word, which I'm actually fine. I'm going to do a tattoo. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. (laughs) What does connection mean to you? Everything. Hmm. oh my god everything connect like you mean. I mean as you connect with people connect it's I mean it's sad if you can't connect with people because each person different individual and each person brings something new to me and I need to connect it makes me feel warm it makes me feel amazing when I connect with people like sometimes I will sit in a in a hotel lobby when I'm working randomly start chatting to someone and you say like oh my god we've been chatting four hours we're just chatting about life and I'm a chatter, as you can notice. I'm a chatter and Brian is a chatter. So we always talk, talk, talk. And connection is everything. Yeah. Thank
1: you so much. Now, this one is very hard. Huh. What song
2: best represents you? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She's a maniac. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I'm maniac. I'm like, like.
1: Oh, Maybe. I love that Maybe So, just so you that- know I've put together a playlist Of all of the answers Of my guests On that
2: question Oh my God I, I love <laughs> I'm going to send it to you It's oh very my eclectic God. Please do Please Oh, I think Yeah, like Go there Like, give me that water on me That's Yeah Yeah, that's a great song I'm literally all over the places I'm maniac Yeah
1: What is the sweetest thing That's ever happened to you? Oh my
2: God Sweetest thing In which way? And, and whatever comes to mind. Oh my God, whatever comes to mind. Um, do you know what? The sweetest thing, it's my daughter's first smile. Oh, that sounds so good. Like the time she smiled for the first time because they get experience. That was the most magical moment. That, that, yeah. And I could eat her. She's so sweet. I will literally eat her. That's the one.
1: <laughs> what is a secret superpower that you have? Secret
2: superpower. I was gonna say positivity, but everybody knows it's not secret anymore. That's why I was like, (laughs) I was like, like, you, you actually, I love that. Stop. I'll tell you why. Not many people like love yourself. That's my secret power. I love myself, yeah, in a good way, not again, arrogant or ignorant way. I love myself. Me, I have to be happy. I mean. Yeah, not many people know that. I think that was the first message when I put it there. Oh my God. But they said, oh, you love yourself. And I said, I should find out you're saying, I do love myself in a good way because you have to be happy with yourself before you carry on in your life. You have to be happy with yourself.
1: That's a great superpower. Yeah. Mm. Imagining that you can step forward into the future version of yourself. So future Arthur, what do you think future Arthur needs to tell current author in terms of an important piece
2: of advice? Oh, I know that. Stop screaming when you talk. Be a little bit calm. (laughs) Maybe stop laughing that too loud, but then it's part of me. I think that's the only thing I will say, but I am loud. I am very loud. I appreciate that. I'm not not the quietest person. Yeah, I wouldn't change it. I'm just going to say, maybe sometimes be a little bit quieter or don't. But again, that's me. That's Arthur. I feel like if that future Arthur says to Arthur now, it won't be me anymore.
1: Well, there's a debate to happen, (laughs) between future Arthur and current (laughs) Arthur. My last question, what brings you happiness?
2: Family. No doubt. I don't have big family since I came out. My friends are my family. So family and friends are everything to me because you know what? You can strip every galera, every fabulous hotel, travels, everything. In the end, there you end up same place you started because no matter what I've done in my life, no matter who I perform from, no matter who I met, where are they now? They carry on their lives. The buildings are gone. This is there, but family and friends, they're going to be there and you have to keep them dear, near, dear. That's what they say. So they're everything to you because you can just have fish and chips on a Saturday night, around the tables, just have fun. That's the most amazing feeling ever. That's it. Material things come and go. That's family, yeah. Family and friends.
1: Beautiful. Thank you so much, Arthur. Oh my God, merci for
2: having me. Thank you so much. It
1: was such a joy to talk to you. I've used the word joy a bunch of times whilst referring to you in the last two hours. So (laughs) this clearly shows, this is not my go-to word. (laughs) It it clearly shows, uh, or let's say speaks to the feeling that I have got
2: when when I'm around you. Merci beaucoup. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you. I will put all of the links to your website, your Instagram perfect for everyone you. who wants to come and check you out and I'm going to send you so much love to you and Brian
2: and baby Blake and thank you so much and all your
1: friends and family and I hope that it won't be
2: too long until we see each other again 100% you have to come to visit us in Ireland please do yay <laughs> you love have to excuse. we're Irish waiting I mean, I feel like Irish now we're waiting for you you have to come
1: it's a good
2: day I will I will have the most beautiful day bye thank you too bye
0: so, friends and listeners, thanks again for joining me today. If you'd like to hear more, you can subscribe to the show on the platform of your choice. If you'd like to connect, you can get in touch with me at Anne on Twitter, Anne Mühle on LinkedIn, or on Instagram at underscore out of the clouds, where I also share daily musings about mindfulness. You can also find all of the episodes of the podcast and much more on my website, anvmilitale.com. If you don't know how to spell it, it's also going to be in the show notes. If you would like to get regular news directly delivered to your inbox, I invite you to sign up to my monthly newsletter. So that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to Out of the Clouds. I hope that you will join me again next time. And until then, be well, be safe, and take care.